I give thanks to God for what he is doing in us, for us, through us, and around us as a church family. I thank God for allowing us to ordain Al, Kobe, and Kyle last Sunday night. Yes. I thank God for allowing us to exceed the request for coats for students in need from the North Texas Collegiate Academy Charter School. They requested 28 coats, and this last week, we delivered 36 coats and 10 extra flannels for them. I give thanks to the Lord for the students leading us in worship this morning. Yes, I give thanks to the Lord for everyone who served at our trunk or treat this past Tuesday night. Yes, we had an army of 164 servants who ministered to the thousands God brought our way at our trunk or treat. Thank you for sacrificing your time to serve. Thank you for sacrificing your comfort to serve. It was cold Tuesday nights. Thank you for showing the love of Jesus. Thank you for pointing others to Jesus. I give thanks to the Lord for Sheila Wolf and her excellent leadership of our trunk or treat and our entire children's ministry. Sheila does a fantastic job leading us every week in ministry, ministering to our kids, and uh, she and Kelly form a dynamic duo as we uh, minister to our children and our preschoolers. Sheila, there she is right there. Raise your hand, Sheila. We give thanks and praise to God for you and your leadership. It's a blast to be a part of what God is doing in our church family. It is a blessing to be a part of God's family in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. What a blessing. Let's turn our Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 6. We are uh, focusing in on this amazing story from the Old Testament years and years ago. God is teaching us and growing us in our faith in him as we study what happened in Jericho years ago. Joshua was chosen by God to lead the Israelites, God's chosen people, to enter and take possession of the promised land. God had promised this land to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses years before, and God reaffirmed his promise with Joshua to give him the land as well. Jericho was the first city that the Israelites conquered as they entered the promised land. The victory at Jericho was a strategic one. It opened up the central part of the land of Canaan, the promised land, to Israel, which made it easier for the Israelites after that victory as they pressed on in the central part of the promised land. It made it easier for the Israelites then to advance south and north into the promised land from there. The victory at Jericho encouraged the Israelites. The victory at Jericho increased the faith of the Israelites. The victory at Jericho showed God's power to the Israelites. So let's look at the four stages that we see 
in Joshua chapter 6. There are four stages we're going to look at as we make our way through this chapter. Four stages in Joshua chapter 6. The first stage is this. It's the explanation. God's explanation to Joshua covers the first five verses here in chapter 6. God's explanation to Joshua included blessings for Joshua. And so we pick up in Joshua chapter 6. The first point we see is God spoke to Joshua. Read with me in chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. The Lord said to Joshua, look, I have handed Jericho its king and its best soldiers over to you. The first point we see is God spoke to Joshua. We know that God spoke to him. Now, whether the commander of the Lord's army from the end of chapter 5 was an angel or pre-incarnate appearance of Christ Jesus, we don't know. We know that God spoke to Joshua. We know Joshua knew and believed it was God speaking to him because Joshua bowed his face down in worship to the ground before God, and he called God his Lord. And so we've looked at this point the past couple of weeks, but I want to continue to share this point with you and me. It's vitally important. God spoke to Joshua. God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit in us through his word, prayer, one another, and our circumstances. The main way God speaks to you and me today is by his spirit through his word, which is why it's so important for us to read, study, and obey his word. It's why it's so important for us to share his word with one another. God spoke to Joshua. The second point we see is God assured Joshua of victory. He assured him of victory. He said, Joshua, look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its best soldiers over to you. We'll read here in just a few moments. God also said to Joshua, as you and Israel follow me, the walls will collapse and the troops will advance. The walls will, say will. The walls will collapse, and the troops will, say will, will advance. We are victors in Christ Jesus. Paul, speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us told us in Ephesians, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Jesus reminded us that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. God has chosen us out of this world by his grace through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus, this means our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith walk with God is a walk of victory today and every day. It's a walk of victory today and forever. That makes a difference for you and me. It's meant to make a difference for you and for me. God spoke to Joshua. He speaks to us. God assured Joshua victory. 
God tells us we are victors in Christ Jesus, and nothing changes that victory. Nothing will change that victory for us in Christ Jesus. The third point we see is God commanded Joshua to look to him. God commanded Joshua to look to him. If you look there in verse 2, and the Lord said to Joshua, look. Look means open your eyes, pay attention, see, watch. Now notice, he said, look, I. Look, I. That means, Joshua, look to me. Joshua, watch what I will do. Joshua, don't look to Jericho. Don't look to the walls around Jericho. Don't look to your obstacles before you. Joshua, look to me. I have handed Jericho, its king and its best soldiers, over to you. Look, I. God says to us today, God says to us every day as we live our faith life in Christ Jesus by his power at work in us, God says to us, look, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have suffering, you will have trouble, you will have tribulation, but take heart, be of good courage, be courageous. I have conquered the world. I have overcome the world. Look, I have given you every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Look, I am at work in you to will and to work according to my good purpose. Look, I am able to above and beyond, immeasurably more than all you can ask, think, or imagine according to my power that is at work in you. God says to you, and me today and every day. Look, I will comfort you in your affliction so that you can comfort one another in any of their afflictions with the comfort I have given to you. Look, I will forgive you of your sins. I'll purify you. I'll cleanse you of all your unrighteousness as you confess your sins to me. Look, I will give you an escape route out of every temptation that you face. Look, I will give you my wisdom generously and liberally, and I won't find fault in you for asking me for it when you ask me for my wisdom. Look, I will meet all your needs according to my glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Look, I will never leave you, fail you, forget you, or forsake you. Look, I will strengthen you, help you, and uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says to us, he says to you and to me this very morning, don't look to your Jericho. Don't focus only on your obstacle. Don't focus on the walls that are ahead of you. Look to me. Look to me. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Look to me. That's what the Lord is telling us. Look to me. You see, as we look to God, we show attention. As we look to God, we show dependence. As we look to God, we show faith. As we look to God, we show humility. As we look to God, we show hope. As we look to God, we show reverence. As we look to God, we show respect. As we look to God, we show readiness. As we look to God, we show trust in God. Notice, God commanded Joshua to look to him. Very first word that he spoke to Joshua, look, look I, look to me. God commanded Joshua to look to him because God wanted Joshua to listen to him. God commands us to look to him because he wants us 
to listen to him. You know this as well as I do. Raising kids, teaching kids, whatever the case may be, whatever the role you may play, teaching your own kids, raising your own kids, or teaching others' kids. One of the things that as I reflected, I thought about time. This is something that I would regularly say. I was talking to my kids, look at me! Look at me! Look at me when I'm talking to you. Why would I say that? Because I was under the strong impression, rightly or wrongly, that if they would look at me, they would listen to me. I get it. You've been there with me before as well. I I understand. I said, rightly or wrongly, I was under the strong impression that I did not want my daughters looking away or looking down when I was talking to them. I wanted them to look at me because I firmly believe that increased the likelihood that they would listen to me and hopefully prayerfully walk in obedience to what God was speaking through me. As we look to God, we're more apt to listen to God. God told Joshua, look. Look I. Look to me. God was well aware of Jericho and the walls and how overwhelming and impossible it was for Joshua. So I said, look I. Look I. Look to me. Because he wanted Joshua to take his focus off of what was ahead in the visible and he wanted to have Joshua look up to him so that he Joshua would listen to what he said because if he listened to what he said, he was going to like what he said. I have handed Jericho, its king and best soldiers, over to you. And so as we look to God and listen to God, we're more apt to follow God, which is exactly what we see happening with Joshua. It happens with us today. God commands us to look to him because he wants us to listen to him. And as we look to God and listen to God, we're more likely to follow God. We're more likely to live for God and to love the way God wants us to love. The fourth point we see here is that God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua. God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua. Joshua did not... Tell God about his plan. Joshua here did not ask God to bless his plan for him. God, notice, explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua. Joshua knew it was God's plan for him and Israel. Joshua followed God's plan for him and Israel. We must make sure that we don't make a very common mistake as followers of Jesus Christ. Our faith walk does not consist of us on a day-by-day basis explaining our plan to God and asking God to bless our plans for us. 
like Joshua, God leads and we follow. We can cry out to God and cast our cares on God all day, every day. It's important for us to do that. We are to turn to God and trust in God at all times because God wants us to do that. However, we always pray in humble submission to God. We always pray in humble submission to God. We pray passionately. We pray faithfully. We pray consistently. We pray honestly, but we always, always, always pray in submission to God. What does that mean? It means this. We want God's will to be done, not ours, because God's will is best. That's what we want. Many, many times I've thought and prayed that my will was best in this circumstance or situation, and praise God, I can rejoice this morning that God did not answer my prayer according to my will. He answered my prayer according to his will, and his will was a hundred times better than my will. And our rejoice in his sovereignty and his understanding of what is best for me. And the same is true. It was true, Joshua, and it's true for us. We want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will to be done in our lives as it is in heaven. God's will to be done in our marriages as it is in heaven. God's will to be done in our families as it is in heaven. God's will to be done in our children's lives as it is in heaven. God's will to be done in our church family as it is in heaven. And so we always pray in humble submission to God. So God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua. Let's pick back up in the passage. Verse 3, pick back up. Joshua is looking to the Lord. He's looking to the Lord. He's listening to the Lord. And the Lord said, march around the city with all the men of war circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there's a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear it sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout, then the city wall will collapse and the troops will advance each man straight ahead. Notice a couple of points. Let's just note it. There's, there's many. Let's just notice a couple real quick. The first, notice that God did not ask Joshua for his thoughts. You see that? He didn't ask Joshua for his thoughts. God didn't ask Joshua about what he thought of his plan for him. God didn't ask Joshua if he wanted to go to Jericho. God didn't ask Joshua if he was ready to go to Jericho. God didn't ask Joshua if he had a better idea. God didn't ask Joshua if he had a better plan in mind than what God had come up with. God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua. The second point we see here. God's plan for Joshua that he shared with Joshua was clear and it was thorough. It was clear and thorough. God told Joshua what? March around the city, blow the trumpets, and shout. That's the what. God told Joshua why. This is the way you will be able to conquer Jericho. God told Joshua when. He said, march around the city once for one time only, for the first six days. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And then when you hear the horn shout, the, the horn, the long blast, and, and you hear the command to shout, then give a shout. 
God gave Joshua his instructions, and they were, they were clear and they were thorough. God doesn't always do, however, what he did with Joshua. I think we could all agree with this. God doesn't always give us the details of his plans. I think of Abram, who we later come to know as Abraham. God told Abram, go to the land. I will show you. Go to the land. I will show you. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. As you look through the scriptures, you'll find that God's plan for us are always clear. God speaks to us, and we know what he's saying. But God's plans to us are not always detailed. We love it when God gives us the details of his plan for us. But God doesn't always give us the details of his plan for us. We must be careful not to get frustrated with God or impatient with God when he chooses not to give us all the details that we want him to give us about his plans for us. We trust God we follow God wherever he leads, however he leads us. As God leads us, as he guides and directs us, he will share the details of his plan for us in his time, which is always the right time. It's always the time that we need to know those particular plans from God. He doesn't always give us all the answers, all the details ahead of time. He's clear with us, but he doesn't always explain everything out for us. The question that I ask as I look at this, maybe it's a similar question that you have asked or, or are asking now, is when God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua, what did God want from Joshua? When God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua, what did God want from Joshua? Well, there's some, there's some quick answers that come to mind. And those all work. But what I want us to do this morning is, is this. Let's make it a little bit more personal. When God explains his plan for us to us, what does God want from us? You see, God's got a plan for each of us that encompasses every day, every step of our way. And so when God explains his plans for us to us, what does God want from us? I think we can see several things here in this passage, several answers that, that we're going to look at. This morning. The first answer I want us to see is God wants fellowship with us. When God explains his plans for us, to us, he wants fellowship from us. He wants fellowship with us. God wanted Joshua to enjoy fellowship with him. God explained his plan 
for Joshua, to Joshua, and God wanted Joshua to walk with him and talk with him. God wanted Joshua to enjoy fellowship with him. As Joshua followed God, he was able to walk and talk with God. He grew in his knowledge of God and his trust in God. God wants fellowship with us. As God explains his plan for us to us, he wants fellowship with us. Now here's the amazing thing about God. God has made fellowship with him possible for us. God made fellowship with him possible for you and me. Remember, the Bible is real clear. The Bible tells us that there's only one requirement we have to meet in order to have a relationship with God. It's only one. It's real simple. It's one requirement to have a relationship with God. Be perfect. That's it. God is a perfect and holy God. He is completely righteous and just. And so in order to have a relationship with a perfect and holy, righteous and just God, we have to be perfect and holy, righteous and just. We have all failed to meet that requirement due to our sin. We've all said, thought, done, and desired things that are unpleasing to God, against God and the truth of his word. And we all know that our sin against God separates us from God, and there is nothing we can do in and of ourselves to get to God on our own. The scriptures teach us that we need help. We're in trouble. We need someone who can bring us to God. We need someone who can take away our sins and help us get to God. We simply put need a Savior because we can't save ourselves. No one else can save ourselves because every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God due to our sin against God, and God tells us in his word that he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth to rescue us from our sins. Jesus came to earth to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus came to meet God's requirement in obedience to Almighty God the Father. He came and he met the requirement that God had for us and for him, Jesus, which was to provide a perfect sacrifice for us so that we who are imperfect and unholy can be made right with a perfect and holy God through the perfect and holy sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus, therefore, came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we did, but he never sinned. He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again by the power of God, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. Jesus is alive. We know this. Say this with me. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. So we are able to receive forgiveness of sins. We're able to enter into a relationship with God. We're able to enjoy sweet fellowship with God by God's grace through our response of faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. The good news of the gospel is we are able to have fellowship with God by God's grace through faith in his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. God made fellowship with us possible for us. When God speaks to us, he wants fellowship with us. God knew how and when the walls of Jericho were going to come down. God knew what was going to happen with Joshua and the Israelites. God wanted Joshua to enjoy the journey with him. 
God wanted Joshua to enjoy the journey, to enjoy fellowship with him. Listen, God is not stressed out about our Jerichos. God knows how and when our Jerichos will collapse and come down. God knows how and when he is going to bring down the obstacles that are before you and me. He knows. He's not stressed. What he wants is for us to enjoy our journey with him. He wants us to enjoy fellowship with him. God loves us. God is with us. God is watching over us. God is working in us. When he saved us, he placed his Holy Spirit in us so that we could have fellowship with him every moment of every day, every step of our way. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our convictor. The Holy Spirit is our encourager. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He teaches us God's truth, and he empowers and encourages us to live God's way. And when we step out of God's way, he convicts us to come back in to God's way. God wants you and me to walk and talk with him each day throughout our day. It's very easy for me personally, and maybe it is for you as well, to get focused on the end, to get so caught up on getting to the end, getting that answer to prayer, finding out what this is going to ultimately be, finding out when we're going to get that job, finding out where that is going to be, finding out what's going to happen at the end of that meeting today, finding out if we're going to seal the deal this week, getting to the end of that business trip and being able to come back home, getting through that particular test, getting through that particular getting through that game, getting through that season, we get so caught up and focused on getting through and being able to check everything on our list of things to do, being able to check right through whichever you do. If you write through the list of things to do, if you put a check by it, so that what? We can get to the second, third, or hundredth page of more things to do that we're wanting to get to, and we get so focused on the end, and there's nothing wrong with the end because we understand and realize that's important. But what we have, what happens often is we get so focused on the end, finding out that answer, to finding out what's going to happen, getting to the end that we forget to enjoy the journey. Could it be that one of the reasons God doesn't always give us all the details we want about his plan for us is because he wants to enjoy fellowship with us. He wants us to trust him and to follow him by faith. He wants us to walk and talk with him. He knows the answers because he is the answer. He wants us 
to enjoy the journey, which is where the battle lines are drawn for you and for me. Because we battle with our own sinful flesh that God is still at work transforming us, sanctifying us, making us more and more like Christ. So, so we have the desires of our sinful flesh that we war against, as Peter said, to abstain from those sinful desires. We also have the battle of spiritual warfare. Our enemy comes against us and he's constantly filling our minds with his lies, accusations, temptations, doubts, questions to get us to get off track because he doesn't want us to enjoy that fellowship with God that is ours in Christ Jesus. You think about it, prayer is about fellowship with God. The Lord told us, Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden, great and mighty, great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Meaning, God's saying, call to me, pray to me, cry out to me, talk with me, and I will tell you things that you could not otherwise know except if it came from me. Prayer draws us into that. That fellowship with the Lord. God's word is about fellowship. God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. The psalmist says, how can I keep my way pure each day? By living according to your word, God, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. God's word teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, and trains us in righteousness. It's profitable and useful for us so that we can be ready to do all that God has us to do, day by day, moment by moment, step by step. So God's word is meant to draw us into fellowship with him. Prayer is meant to draw us into fellowship with the Father. Worship is all about fellowship with God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As the psalmist said, one generation will tear and tell and declare God's greatness to the next generation and the next generation. It's good and fitting for us to sing praise to our God. We're to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that profess his name. Listen, when we think about it, all of the disciplines that are a part of our walk with the Lord, the disciplines taught here in the scriptures the disciplines that we see, they are all focused in on drawing us in deeper and deeper to fellowship with God. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's incredible. It is simply outrageous, and it's true. God wants fellowship with us. He wants fellowship with us. He wants us to enjoy each day in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the obstacles, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the grief, in the midst of the questions, in the midst of all of the needs that we have and those around us have, he wants us. He's calling us as he did Joshua. He wants us. To enjoy fellowship with him. The first step in fellowship with God is a relationship with God by his grace through faith in his son, our Savior, Jesus. Scripture tells us without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. So no one understand, as we shared just a moment ago, the good news of the gospel is Jesus took our place on the cross and he paid our price for sin. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again. He's alive today. And faith in Jesus is the way to a relationship with God which opens up 
the beauty, the privilege, the joy of fellowship with God from that point forward. But listen, for us as followers of Christ, as we look to God and follow God by faith day by day, spending time with him in his word and prayer and service and worship, fellowship with one another, and sharing the good news of Jesus with those around us, as we look to God and follow God by faith, we get to walk and talk with God. We get to see God do God things. We get to watch God work in us, for us, through us and around us. We get to watch God answer prayers that we haven't even thought yet to completely present to him in prayer. We have the opportunity to meet needs. We're not even sure and don't even realize we actually have those needs because we're so focused on this need over here. We don't even realize we have these needs, and yet we see God not only meets these needs, but he then dominoes and meets all of our other needs. We get to watch God at work in us and in those around us. We get to watch as God brings down the walls of our obstacles before us. We get a front row seat to watching God work. And God, as he's told us in his word, as Jesus, the Son of God, shared, my Father is always at work. And I, too, am working. We get to see him at work. And as we look to God and follow God, as we have this fellowship with God, we grow stronger and we grow deeper in our knowledge of God, our love for God, and our faith and trust in God, which is Exactly what God wants for us because that's best for us. As even James told us, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials, obstacles, Jerichos of various, many different kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be sure and complete, lacking nothing. God calls us into fellowship with him so that we can see him in all that he's doing in us, for us, through us, around us, and so that we can grow deeper and stronger in our walk with him. We have fellowship with God and one another in King Jesus. Let me ask you about prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response to the Lord. And God is speaking to us this morning, and there's no doubt that God is continuing his work in our lives of addressing the obstacles, of addressing the Jerichos, of addressing the, the challenges, the problems, the, 
the difficulties that we're facing, question each one of us in our own lives, in our own walk with the Lord, are dealing with obstacles or challenges. Maybe when we've been dealing with them for a while, maybe this past week something new has happened, or maybe it could be as recent as just yesterday, a new obstacle presented itself to us. And what God's wanting us to do is to understand and know that He is continuing His work in us, for us, through us, and around us. He is continuing to draw us closer to Him because He wants us to fellowship with Him. He wants to draw us into that fellowship with Him. If you're here this morning, you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, then that desire for fellowship begins at that very central point of receiving God's gift of salvation by placing your faith and trust in Jesus. Our prayer partners will be seeing here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. They'd love to introduce you to Jesus. The greatest decision you can make this morning, ma'am or sir, be to respond to God's grace right now by your response of faith and trust in Jesus. As we've shared, the gospel tells us that Jesus took our place on the cross and paid our price for sin. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He was buried in the tomb, and on the third day, he rose again. He is alive today, and faith in Jesus is the only way for us to enter into a relationship with God that allows us to enjoy fellowship with him. From that point on, forever. And so this morning is the morning of salvation for you. Receive that gift of salvation. Place your faith in Jesus. Believe in his death, burial, and resurrection that provides you the opportunity for salvation. My brother and sister, maybe what God's calling you to do is to renew that fellowship with him. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe the obstacles, the challenges in your life have over the course of time pulled you away from that fellowship with the Father. So God's speaking to each one of us this morning that he's calling us to him. He's calling us to renew our faith and trust in him. He longs to restore that fellowship with you and me. He's just asking us to run to him, to cry out to him. Maybe God's calling you to go and minister to a brother or sister in Christ who's dealing with a challenge, and God wants you to be that minister of encouragement, that minister of blessing. The altar is open. You may want to come and kneel and pray as husbands and wives, as families, maybe as brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ. God's Spirit is moving. He's speaking to us, and he wants 
response from us, and he wants that response of faith, yes. He wants that response of obedience, yes. He wants fellowship with you. And fellowship with you because he loves us. And he knows and wants what's best for us. So he's calling us again to run to him. To follow him. He'll take care of all that's before us. He's wanting us to enjoy walking with him and talking with him once again this morning. Let's stand and let's say yes to the Father.